someone has a stroke every nine minutes in Australia. Of these, many are in rural areas. Regional Australians are 19% more likely to suffer a stroke than those in the city. So I'm uh, Professor Christopher Bladen. I'm the Director of Stroke and Ambulance Victoria and the Director of uh, the Victorian Stroke Telemedicine Program. People living in rural and regional Australia have, are significantly less likely to get acute stroke treatments compared to metro areas. We know that there are patients out there who <coughs> are having strokes and they're simply not getting the care that they, sh they should be having. Kate Comer is a radiographer from Hamilton. She'd just left work one day when she realised she wasn't feeling quite right. So um, in 2016, uh, I was about 34 years old at that stage and um, I was holding my son um, at uh, childcare one day and I collapsed. I had suffered a basilar artery cloche um, that had come from a right vertebral artery dissection. The stroke, kind of stroke that I had um, is life-threatening. Um, so I had, I suppose, what they call locked-in syndrome, uh, where you're conscious and um, but you're unable to, you know, move or talk or um, have those sort of functions. My, my day job is as a radiographer, and I've been a radiographer for about 16 years. Uh, so um, when it was happening um, and as they put me in the back of the ambulance, um, I was getting worse and worse and deteriorating and um, it was then that I actually realised that I was having a stroke. Kate needed treatment fast, but she was 300 kilometres away from the nearest stroke specialists all the way in Melbourne. And time is crucial, as Professor Dominique Cadillac from the Florey Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health explains. The sooner someone gets treated, the less amount of brain damage occurs. So they've calculated that for every minute that you don't have oxygen and nutrients going to those brain cells, that six million brain cells are dying after a stroke. So the sooner you get treatment, you are much more likely to be able to walk out of hospital and make a good recovery. Few patients in rural areas or regional areas get access to thrombolytic treatment and best practice care after stroke. So at Hamilton Hospital, um, look, it's a regional town. There's about 10,000 people, I think. We had a CT scanner. Theatre and, you know, there is a surgical ward and a medical ward and emergency department and ICU. But for any neurological um, issues like I had, I had to be sent to Melbourne. I did used to joke, and it's kind of ironic now, about 10 years ago, I still remember saying, you know, if I ever had a basal artery clot, I want to be right next to the Royal Melbourne Hospital. <laughs> and when it was happening, I'm like, I couldn't be any further from the hospital if I tried. Since the invention of the telegraph in 1837, humans have used telecommunication to provide medical care. Since the early 1900s, farmers in remote parts of Australia used radios to communicate with the Royal Flying Doctor Service in what is one of the earliest examples of telemedicine. 
Here at the Florey Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health in Melbourne, Professor Dominique Cadillac and Professor Christopher Bladen have been applying telemedicine to stroke. I'm Professor Dominique Cadillac and I'm the research lead for the Victorian Stroke Telemedicine Program and I work at the Florey and at Monash University. So the Victorian Stroke Telemedicine Program permits hospitals in regional areas that don't have neurologists to contact a pool of doctors who are specialists in stroke to help them assess and diagnose patients and determine whether or not they should receive thrombolytic therapy. The drug that we deliver to help dissolve blood clots that are in the brain causing a stroke. When a patient with symptoms that are suspected to be an acute stroke arrives in the emergency department in a hospital, the staff there call a roster of neurologists who are on call 24-7 and they can then do an audio-visual consult with the clinical staff, patient's family, with the patient themselves. So one of the key elements to VST is actually establishing a diagnosis of stroke then a decision can be made as to what the best course of action is for treatment. So after the CT scan, the images are then sent straight to Royal Melbourne where the um, neurologist team um, were able to see them. The next minute, um, around an ICU and then I had uh, one of the neurologists on the um, screen and he was wheeled in um, for the telemedicine viewer he was able to see um, exactly what sort of state um, I was in. Um, I was able to give him up and down signals with my um, left um, thumb, uh, but he was able to talk to the medical doctors from Hamilton. And I probably will never forget when he said that, oh, it looks like you need to come for a trip up to us at the Royal Velvet. I'm like, oh, yes, thank goodness. Okay, let's go. This, let's get this, um, this happening because I knew that time was critical. So when I arrived at the Royal Melbourne, I was whisked straight off the um, the air ambulance, so off the helicopter, uh, straight to the room and um, the angio suite or angiography suite, and um, there was like 15 people there, and they're all um, around me all of a sudden. So I, I knew I how urgent it was that they get to the clock quickly. When I woke up in recovery, the um, professor, associate professor Rick Dowling, who did the procedure, he was there. I think one of the first things I said, because my sister's wedding was coming up in two weeks' time, and I said, oh, will I make it to my sister's wedding? And he's like, yeah, yeah, I think you'll be right to do that. Yeah, no, the recovery was very quick. I only spent uh, three nights in hospital. I actually um, went home and didn't even need any rehab. And yeah, I was scanning again and doing all my radiographer jobs. I had told my husband that we had to go into my work on the Monday. I went into the ICU and everyone was absolutely gobsmacked <laughs> that I walked in. So I think I'm um, sort of living proof of how well um, the endovascular clot retrieval actually works, you know, to have no, I have no deficits now at all. Kate's brain was saved, thanks to the team's ability to get rid of the clot quickly. 
We need a program like the VST so more patients can get treated. So it's about being more efficient with the precious resources we have because there's only a certain number of stroke specialists who are able to support these types of activities and it makes sense to do that in a coordinated statewide approach. Can the um, clinical staff in the emergency departments uh, value this resource to allow them to make a proper, if you like, neurodiagnosis and then to give them uh, assistance and guidance as to what the best course of action is after that? I think we're most proud of the fact that we are treating more people more safely and they're having good outcomes. Our program has reduced deaths after stroke, fewer side effects and more people are getting the treatment that they should be getting. So no matter where you live in the state of Victoria, no matter which postcode you are in, then you are going to get access to world-class stroke care. If I was to have had my stroke prior to the VST program, I wouldn't have had access to such quick treatment. The longer it takes, the more neurons that, you know, can die in your brain. And yeah, so it, you know, saved me from having a permanent disability and I was back at work in four weeks' time. Um, yeah, so pretty much, yeah, saved my life. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this special edition podcast about the amazing work of the Victorian Stroke Telemedicine Program, brought to you from the Stroke Theme at the Flory Institute of Neuroscience and Mental Health. I'm your host, Tessa Marshall. To hear more about the VST and about other stroke research at the Flory, check out our other episodes. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at Flory Stroke.